Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we're looking at five toxic habits in the financial space. These are very important to acknowledge and understand, are very easily uh, habits to fall into and they're just as easy to fix. Enjoy what we've got to say and we'll see you in the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. I'm going to wipe that smile off your face in about two <laughs> minutes flat because I want to ask you the five most toxic money habits that you've come across before. Mm. Only five, hey? Only five. There are hundreds, of course, but these are the five most sickening, toxic, disgusting habits that we can think of in the money game right now. Gee whiz, okay, let's talk about one straight off the bat, which is, well, there's two actually which are in this space of what I'd call predatory lending. But the first one I think is credit cards, where you uh, you get the balance transferred to a new card uh, and buy yourself a bit more time. Um, you know, that's uh, just moving the chairs around on the deck of the Titanic to my mind. A very popular thing, a lot of people advertising it. You know, you pay a transfer fee to do it, so it's a nice upfront income for the bank and you're paying for the credit. Uh, you're better off just getting your card paid off or using it more responsibly uh, and not being into that but this notion of balance transfers. Come bring a balance transfer across to a new card. We're going to give you X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you're going to pay for it. So correct me if I'm wrong, that's when you have a, a debt on a credit card and you use another credit card to pay it off. Is that right? Yeah, that's the way you could do that. Yeah, and that's just, a, you know, just as I say, moving the chairs around on the deck of the Titanic. And then that credit card is next by the next yeah. one, and all of a sudden it's a capitulation and you've got no ability to borrow in the future, right? So what are yeah. the long-term ramifications of that? Well, there are. I mean, you could affect your credit score for a start, which at some point in time is going to impact on your ability to do a lot of things as we kind of grow up financially, maybe buying a house, getting car finance, all those different things that, you know, even a phone plan for that matter. Uh, so yeah, it can affect things, you know, quite dramatically down the track. You spend it, you got to pay for it, simple as that. And I think, you know, having that discipline, we've talked about a million times before in budgeting and, and that self-discipline uh, is just getting that credit card debt paid down. And as we move into a higher interest rate environment, that credit card debt's going to become very, very expensive to service. And I guess when you buy something on a credit card, you have to make that distinction, really. The the bank has bought it for you on a loan and you've got to pay it back, right? Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with using credit cards, but you've got to manage them in a responsible way where the balance is paid out. Um, you know, if you're in a situation where you're on a payment plan on a card, your interest rates are through the roof. It's just crazy. It is effective life sometimes for people if they've had a, a, a big purchase, let's say, you know, hypothetically, you've had a problem at home and you, your cooker's blown up and you need to buy another cooker and you you can't necessarily afford to pay for it outright, then if that's the approach that you've got to take, um, uh, then um, then that's what you've got to do. You know, you probably find a lot of vendors at the moment offer interest-free uh, finance for a period of time anyway. So you could use that provided you've got the discipline to actually save the money. So when that interest rate free period finishes, you can pay it outright and get it sorted out without getting you know, slugged with 15 or 20% interest on the uh, on the balance. And credit cards can be a good thing, right? You and I both have one for mm. points. I'm surprised you can walk around with how heavy yours is in that black Amex in your pocket. But <laughs> Yeah, a lot of points on that and, and accumulating daily, which means you must be spending. So I don't know what we're doing on that, but there we go. Um, but the bottom line is it also gets paid off every month. Yeah, which is the secret, right? Have one, just pay it off. Yeah. Secondly, AB, what about buy now, pay later? And I'm not just talking about buying some shoes at Rabina Town Centre. I mean, buy now, pay later now even extends to alcoholic beverages at a bar, yeah, which but, is pretty I mean, crazy. This, this is getting to the point of reckless lending now. I mean, I've never been an, a, a, a fan of buy now, pay later. I think it is extremely predatory by its very nature. Um, making it easier for people to spend money they don't have is got a level of moral corruption associated with it in my mind. So buy now, pay later... 
as you say, if you buy a pair of sneakers or, or, or some clothes, you've got something sort of semi-tangible to show for what you've spent. But as you say, you can now use it in bars uh, and clubs for paying for a round of drinks. So, you know, by the time your hangover's cleared up, you're just getting around to the next part of the hangover of the first of four payments for what was a great night out. And it, it just is totally reckless. You sort of look back uh, as similar benchmarks of recklessness as having an ATM on a casino uh, floor. Uh, and now by law, they've got to be further away to make it harder for people to go to get money to then go back to the tables um you know and that's in an industry which has been shown to be you know morally corrupt at best uh through various commissions recently but even that level of regulation to try and you know put a fire break in to curb people's spending then you consider buy now pay later it's it, it's it's no different to having an atm right next to a roulette wheel there you go go get some more cash keep spending it's disgraceful so if you are someone ab who's maybe got a really long list of debt on Afterpay or Zip or whatever it may be. What's your advice to those people? Try and get it paid off. I mean, again, um, you know, the the temptation, and we've seen a groundswell of this, and this is, again, where the, I guess the regulator's not there yet in terms of regulating buy now, pay later. Um, but, you know, what was a fun thing and a convenient thing is now turned into, you know, financial Armageddon where people are rolling that debt onto a credit card and having to pay interest on it in order to pay it off. And it's causing, you know, a level of hardship, which is only going to get worse. So do your very best, get the thing paid off, and then once you've done that, cancel your account work overtime, get a second yeah. job, save and just pay it off. Right? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, they used to say, you know, if you want to curb your credit card spending, go and get your credit card and put it in a bucket of water and freeze the bucket of water so your card's in the middle of this big block of ice so you can't get it out and swipe anything. Obviously, online transactions, you type the number in now, but back then, you know, you had to physically present a card. That's a great way of doing it. So if you've got a buy now, pay later account, get it closed. All right, well, moving forward to number three, AB, that's great advice, something that my generation is very guilty of. And number three, toxic habit is eating out all of the time. What are yeah. your thoughts, avocado on toast or the house deposit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the better lines from Tim Gurner that time and, uh, and it hasn't gone away, has it? I think, um, you know, when you, when you look at eating out as a sector in Australia, and my old man was here, you know, he was on the podcast a few months ago, the old chap was here, and, and, and he said he, he can't believe, like, Australians are out all the time getting a coffee or a sandwich, a sandwich or just snacking or eating out, going for dinner. It's all just the a time. thing. And, and, okay, things are a little bit different in the UK, particularly where my dad lives. It's different in London, I suppose. But, you know, this notion of, yeah, we'll just step out and do this. So here's an interesting one for you. GDP, uh, national economy, the the, the, the turnover, the, uh, the the gross domestic product of our national economy, 20-something years ago, eating out was about point, or, 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 or the eating out catering type industry was about 0.5% of GDP. Now it's 2.4% of GDP. So nearly 2.5% of our global or of our economic output is orientated around eating out coffee shops, takeaways, Uber Eats, uh, restaurants, and, and the like. And that's a pretty substantial number. I'm actually curious, somebody probably put in the post underneath here, how that stacks up on the sort of global table for countries that, that uh, in terms of their figures, I'd be really interested to see where we rate. I reckon we'll be up near the top somewhere. Um, and it's just this incredible habit that we've built up which is quite innocent you know you get a coffee then a coffee and a muffin or let's grab a sandwich and have brunch and all of a sudden this thing can spill over yesterday i was at the beach took the kids to the beach yesterday and uh well my wife was uh, with the kids i went down so i'll go and grab you a coffee and i went down to the sort of beach kiosk um in, in byron and there would have been maybe 15 people in the lineup in front of me 
getting a whole raft of stuff. Okay, Sunday morning, have your fun, do your thing. But when you start to ratchet up the dollar cost of that, and for a lot of people, it's not like a, a once a week treat. That's most of the, I'm not saying they go to the beach every day, but that's something that's a very, very regular occurrence. The Uber Eats, all of those sorts of things. Now, yeah, when we get the economic contraction, which a lot of economists are talking about coming over the horizon, I'm inclined to agree with them, it's happening. Um, yeah, that slowdown in discretionary spending will manifestly impact on our economy if if two and a half percent of our GDP is eating out. And all of a sudden, let's say people halved their eating out habit, that's still a pretty high number. 1.25% of our GDP is is eating out, but that's a 50% smash to that industry. So how do you go if you run a restaurant and you've got 50% of the turnover? Well, you had struggle, previously, right? Previously, right? You're probably out of business. So this is a really actually quite big concern. And I'd be the last person to propagate economic Armageddon by saying to people, don't eat out. But you've also got to look after your own finances. And if you're struggling financially, have a coffee at home, maybe cook cook some food. It's probably healthier to do so anyway. You're going to save a fortune. Um, and, and, and you get to experience the joy of cooking. If you don't enjoy cooking, buy some cookbooks and enjoy doing that. But, you know, this notion of, uh, of, of lifestyle that we've built is good in the good times. If you've got spare cash to do it, that's cool. But if things are a little bit tough and you run the risk of having debt on your credit card or buy now, pay later, and you're still eating out two or three times a week, that's just gross negligence on your part because for the sake of that meal out, and I'm not talking about being the fun place here, but you're creating a financial problem for yourself by doing it. If you've got plenty of money, eat out every night. If you can afford it, go for it. But if you've got debt somewhere, get your debt squared away because it's going to get more and more expensive to service that. So big toxic habit a very very easy one to slip into and look i i, I look back at yeah b- before i was before i was married before i was dating my wife i did that probably at least four or five nights a week whether that's part of being in the bachelor life or, or it was around Busy work, man lifestyle dates. work whatever it may be but i'd be out four or five nights a week and i was also in you know, quite a different financial position i haven't any debt for 20 years so you know different things like that didn't really make an impact on my lifestyle i could afford it but if you are struggling to make, make ends meet, these are the sorts of things that you have to scale back and make it a treat again. It's not the norm. You know, that's sort of, you know, trying to encourage that with with my kids. Like if we say, oh, we're going out, we're going to go and get Mexican. We've got a cheap little Mexican place down the road, fantastic food. The kids love it, but it's it's such a, my goodness, we're going out for dinner. I don't know if the restaurant feels that way when uh, my mob roll up with five oh, kids and my imagine, wife and I'm yeah. probably the nanny. There's a fair crew of us, but, you know, it, it's, and it's a massive treat for them. Uh, and they love it because of that. The day that becomes the norm and it's expected, I think is, is going to be quite sad because you rem- it's like sort of coming to the realization there's no Santa. Oh, you know what I'd love to know, AB, to any of our listeners out there before we move on, comment below, how many nights or days per week do you eat out? Mm. So if you buy lunch every day at work, you know, there's five days. If you eat out, add it up, tally it up, let Breakfast us know. Breakfast over the weekend or a brunch or something that and maybe, counts, maybe Uber, Eats. Uber Eats in the evening and tot, tot it up. And it's actually quite scary when you do that. And it's, it's one of the things I advocate in budgeting for people to do is like be, there's no problem eating out if it's in your budget and you can afford it. But if it's as a consequence of it you're creating more pain more debt or it's pushing you further away from your financial goal or, or health goal for that matter then it does become a problem so if it's in your budget and, and and you've allocated towards it that's okay but when it's this discretionary spend that just simply creeps up and here comes a credit card bill holy moses you know we gave that a good look last last month that's a problem 
Well, speaking of budgets, AB, let's transition to mm. toxic habit number four, and that is spending everything you earn, not having any savings or yep. not saving anything at all. So many people are week to week, and not necessarily through any fault of their own either. Um, you know, the, the, the cost of living in Australia is is hectic. Cost of renting has gone through the roof. Uh, cost of fuel, yeah, you think about it, it's probably for most cars be probably 140, 150 bucks to fill up with fuel now. Um, yeah, which means you've got to earn two, two twenty, two thirty, depending on your tax rate. Of, of pre-dollar income to pay for that, which is actually a pretty decent, decent Every chunk single of, week, week in, week out. Probably weekly, right. add that to your rent, and it's it's starting to get pretty heavy. So I can understand that there are a lot of people that are week to week or month to month, and that's an awful situation to be in. And there are also a lot of people that aren't in that situation, at least maybe not yet. And getting out of the habit of not saving is a really, really bad habit. You know, they always talk about, you know, the, the any any sort of, book on financial planning or wealth creation talk about 10% off the top it goes into your savings before you start if you can do it uh, and and leave it there and accumulate it and then learn to invest it and invest it wisely so that you don't you know get on the pathway where you end up giving it all away either um getting in that habit so it becomes a game is is key that you have to do that first so money comes out first pay yourself first save first and then whatever's left goes into the rest of the stuff and you know we are in potentially um some really difficult times ahead and, and right now you know people are okay they're still comfortable or or, or not in distress and, and i hope we don't get to the level of distress it's the last thing i wouldn't wish that on anybody so you're in a position at the moment, if you're okay, where you can make level-headed, blue brain, we call it decisions, objective decisions that aren't emotional. But if you start to financially struggle, and if, you're, if your reserves are depleted because going out for dinner all the time, or you've got a buy now, pay later habit, or, 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 or something else that we've already talked to, and now you're starting to create a bit of a hole for yourself where the money's going to the door faster than it's coming in. It's kind of like being in a pond and you're drowning and you'll grab anything to try and pull yourself out. It's a red brain emotional decision, which can be very, very dangerous. And in an attempt to get out of that deep water of, of pain, you, know, you end up grabbing a barbed wire fence and stripping all the, all the skin off your hand. You can make very, very poor financial decisions in those circumstances because of desperation. And I think building good money habits and adhering to them, even when times are tough, keep saving. Even if you cut the amount that you're saving, even if it's only $2 a week, it's still a moral win that you've got that growth. Surplus building up. You've still got that surplus. And okay, it's, it's never going to grow up an amount to much at 2 bucks a week. But you've kept that discipline, that self-discipline of knowing that you can't spend everything you earn every week or more. And, and that's something that's critically important. And again, it's not about being the fun police. It's about being responsible because during COVID, particularly here in Australia, you know, we, we had an enormous amount of government assistance. You could argue they were trying to create a bit of a runway for, for an election win. Didn't quite pan out. Um, and there was a lot of government assistance through there. The economy was reasonably flush with money. That's unlikely to happen this time around. So if we do hit hard times, don't expect handout central to be coming over the hill to help cushion it. It's going to be down to individuals to do that. And I think, you know, by learning to budget and by learning to save and building that hardcore muscle memory is one of the most liberating things you can do because you're keeping your head above water. You're not in the pond drowning. Yeah, it's a really tough one. And I think 
people need to ask for help in that scenario, AB. If you are struggling, yep. please reach out one of our team. You know, yep. we're happy to help in that area as e- well. Exactly right. And and, and and you don't have to think there are there are so many places you can go for help. You know, if you've got debt with the bank or on a credit card, rather than just be ignoring the reminders and the letters and the overdue demands that come in, talk to people. Uh, and you'll find that in general, people are quite accommodating. The tax office have been, certainly through COVID, it's not very often you can say something positive about the tax office, but um, yeah, the ATO have been, you know, fairly accommodating over the last 18 months, two years, I think that's likely to shift as they start to have the torch put on them to get the money that's owed in the door. Uh, we've talked about this previously. Um, but, you know, if you've got tax debt, for example, talk and sort it out, don't ignore it because that's when problems really start to uh, get out of control. Absolutely. Great advice, AB. And mm. to move forward on our last one as we cap off here, toxic habit number five, probably something a little left field and that if anyone else in the podcasting game has spoken about these, wouldn't have mentioned in that is a failure to invest in yourself. So the whole notion of personal development in the money game. Massively so. I think, um, yeah, there are so many schools schools of thought, you know, personal development is, it's a, it's a cliche. If you're not growing, you're dead. You know, you need to be growing as a human being. Our desire is always to know more, to learn more, to do more, to be better than, you know, to, to stretch ourselves, or at least it should be if you're someone that's got a, a positive lilt in life where you're looking to wring the drops out of it. After all, we're not here for that long on this planet. And if you can get the most out of your time here and be fulfilled, that's a, that's a good outcome. Um, and so, yeah, investing in your own personal development. And when you stop doing that, very quickly you can slip in, especially with the news flow that's around at the moment. Everything is fairly negative, uh, typically the news is, I suppose, but you know, the, the, there are a lot of big things at the moment that are quite negative about economics, about you know, the war in Ukraine, um, you know, fuel prices going up and lots of civil unrest, and we'll see a lot more of that as tensions continue to mount around the world. You can easily fall into that sort of abyss of negativity and it's a very, very hard pit to climb out of. If you're constantly investing in yourself, and it doesn't have to be about money, it's about investing the time. And and time is a far better measure of wealth than money because we've only got a finite amount of it. And this is about building the discipline to invest your time in regular amounts, ideally every single day in terms of growing. And it could be a podcast such as this. You might feel that this was worthwhile listening to. Maybe you wouldn't. I guess you'd give us a rating on that. Bearing in mind, all we're trying to do is promote discussion and to help financial literacy to help people. Or get onto YouTube and watch some videos on something that you have an interest in that's allowing you to learn a new skill to grow as a person. Because as long as you're growing, you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to have a far more positive uh, mindset. You're going to have a very open disposition toward things as they come along. And instead of seeing them as, oh, why do I have to do this? As, oh, how cool I get to do this? Only a small shift. Or why does this happen to me to, I get this? Uh, to happen to me. They're only small mindset shifts, but they're huge in terms of building momentum. And even if you're in a really dark space, and I'll give you an example of this. I had a client a few years ago, and I'm going to be very, very vague on this because it's it's incredibly sensitive. It was at the time, and I suspect still is. And um, his partner had racked up a substantial, substantial sum of debt on various credit cards and store cards and things like this. Uh, and and tax office debt and, and 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 a really nasty situation. I'm not talking a couple underground. I'm talking some big numbers. And he's a very smart guy, uh, very professional in what he does for a living, a very proud person, but also someone that was humble enough to get the right help at that time. And we sat down and went through his circumstances, both internally here and through our financial planning business, and were able to provide some advice on 
helping that situation move through. And throughout that journey, not only was it the advice he was taking, but he was a voracious consumer of information to learn more and to continue on a positive pathway. And he had every reason in the world to not be in a good state of mind, but chose not to go down that pathway and instead said, this is a lesson that I can learn from uh, and grow from, which is phenomenal. I don't know if I would have probably had that level of patience in the position he was in and had been placed in, but hats off to that particular person. And if he's listening to the podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, huge character shown, but never stopped on that growth journey. Uh, he's out of that situation now. Life's good. But I think if you've got something positive that you can be tipping into the, the hopper every day where you're learning something new and you're growing, every day's a win. And it's far better to have a win than a loss. Absolutely. And there's various resources out there. Our podcast yep. included books, ebooks, anything that you want. There's so much help out there. Any, everyone consumes stuff in a different way. Podcasts are brilliant because you can, you can multitask, you can drive and have a listen. Audible, if you're driving and you're not a reader, reading books, ebooks, as you say, it's just so easy to get onto social and browse. Use that time. If you are someone that likes a bit of time browsing, at least allocate and get it in your schedule, 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, whatever it is, get that time allocated to, okay, this is where I'm going to be learning more on my journey into X, whatever that might be. And, and and it doesn't have to be around money. It's anything that gives you a positive momentum. So we're off to uh, Italy uh, in, a, in a few weeks' time. So I've got the kids at the moment. We're going through some some history on the Romans. Why? So when we're in Rome and they look around, you know, last time we were there, they were, they're probably a little young to remember a lot of it. You know, I think my son was four, daughter was five. This time they're a little bit older and they've started to learn a bit about history at school. And so learning about the Romans is a cool thing. Now it's not a chore to learn. It's actually fun because they're going to see it online. Then they're going to see it physically. I'm sure, you know, the promise of some gelate while they're looking at the Colosseum or whatever it might be is, is probably quite appealing too. But there's an example from a young age where you can turn something that many people would see as being homework, learning about history into something that's fun. And hopefully, yeah, as they learn you know, what the Romans did and all the rest of it and get to see it, that's, a, that's, a, that's an embedded piece of history that they'll know forever in their life. Now, it doesn't have to be about history. It could be about money. So how does the stock market work? Why has crypto fallen? Um, how do you make sure you buy the better quality shares? What kind of things can you do to manage risk? Um, all podcasts of ours, believe it or not. They are. It's not, no self-ashamed <laughs> plug in there. Plug. Um, you know, it could be about gardening. It could be about anything. I'm just doing some stuff. I'm just starting some chili farming at the moment. So I'm voraciously consuming information uh, in that space and it's good because it's personal development I'm learning something new every day and 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 every day's a win when you do that and I think that positive mindset is the exact opposite side of the coin to the toxic habits we can build so if you've got bad behavior we've gone through and talked about some of them and look at your journey if you want to apply this great if you don't want to apply it Great, it's your journey. Our job's not to change your pathway, it's just to open a door of opportunity that perhaps if you step through it could give you a better outcome. But if you've got all that toxic stuff going on but you're able to counterbalance it with something that's positive, that's pretty good. Every day's a winner. Great advice, AB. Winners are grinners, buddy. Absolutely. (laughs) Great advice, great finish, AB. Thank you very much. Anytime, absolute pleasure. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.